Hello, everyone. My name is Dr. Julio Gonzalez, and it's September 3rd, 2018, and welcome to the Federalist Pages number 46. That is the Federalist Pages number 46, which means we're getting pretty close to 50. I don't know how I'm going to celebrate that, but nevertheless, uh, this is Federalist Pages number 46 that you're listening to, and uh, we have a lot of things to talk about, including the hiatus. Yes, the big gap of time between... Federalist pages number 45 and Federalist pages number 46. There's a big gap there spanning from February to September. And I'll tell you a little bit about how that happened and whether it'll happen again. The uh, rest of the uh, stories that we'll be discussing today include the president's uh, changes on the raises for civilian federal employees. We need to talk about that. And of course, our perennial favorite, Anifa and their ridiculous positions, but this one is really not about Antifa. This is about Chris Cuomo, who may be more ridiculous than Antifa. Anyway, before we get into those kinds of things, let's uh, make sure that I encourage you to follow us at the federalistpages.com, where you will have access to my book. You can purchase my book there, The Federalist Pages, where I delve into our country's constitutional history. You can also follow me on Twitter at the Federalist Pages is the name of the handle. Oh, by the way, when you go to federalistpages.com, you will have all 45 podcasts, prior podcasts there. You'll also have number 46 that will be appearing today. And you'll also have future podcasts to access. So you can keep track of anything that I said and find out if there's any inconsistencies in my thought and uh, whether I falter in any way. And if you do find that, then please let me know. You can let me know at the Federalist Pages at gmail.com. That's the Federalist Pages at gmail.com. Other places where you can follow us, you can follow us on iTunes and SoundCloud. And you can uh, subscribe to the Federalist Pages on iTunes so you can get the podcast. And also follow up, follow me at the Federalist Pages on Facebook. So let's start with the hiatus. Yes, there's been a break. There's a we were making Great progress. We're making great um, numerical progress on our podcasts, clipping along from the first 10 into the 40s and then into 45, and then all of a sudden it all came to a screeching halt. And it came to a screeching halt because Congressman Tom Rooney, who is my congressman, has decided not to run for re-election. And what that did was it gave me a, a very tough decision, but one that Actually, I arrived at the answer very quickly. And that decision was whether whether it was incumbent upon me to run for Congress. And the answer, in my view, was very quickly, yes. I thought it was important that I do that. So from one day to the next, um, unexpectedly, I found myself running for Congress. And I that, that was an incredible experience, as many of you may know. I have served in the past four years as state representative here in Tallahassee for District 74, the best district in the state of Florida. And um, and I had a I had a question, which was, should I be serving my constituents and my community and uh, my country in Congress versus uh, the state of Tall- uh, in the state of Florida at Tallahassee? And like I told you, the answer for me was yes. It a whirlwind series of events that the speed of which I couldn't even describe to you began happening. 
I ended up going to Washington, D.C., trying to find out what kind of support I would get. We had to assemble a team at a moment's notice to uh, run a campaign. And unfortunately for uh, this endeavor, which I truly love, meaning this uh, endeavor where I podcast and I write on political issues of the day and on our Constitution and the future of our country, um, unfortunately for that endeavor, I had to take some time off from that and uh, pretty much without even having the opportunity to sign off for a period of time. So we built a team very quickly. We seem to have a heck of a lot of support nationally. Obviously, I'm a physician, as many of you know. I'm an orthopedic surgeon, and I'm also an attorney. And so my credentials as a veteran, attorney, orthopedic surgeon, all those things put together were just unparalleled. And people really resonated with that. The physicians throughout the country felt that we are in desperate need of more doctors in Congress. And they supported me very quickly. We had a bunch of uh, national organizations that said that uh, they would commit to to supporting me. And off we went. Next thing you know, I was uh, off to the races, knocking on doors, going to every meeting of Republicans I could have trying to get my name uh, out there and letting people know about me. I actually put up a website that was called JulioGonzalezForCongress.com. And in that website, I actually put up about five podcasts. Some of you may have heard of it or heard them. And it was, it was, uh, it was harrowing. It was uh, tough. It was uh, grueling. But it was amongst the most fulfilling adventures I've ever engaged in. And partly or mostly the reason why it was so fulfilling was because of the people that I met. The people that I met out on the trail, the the people who embraced us, I, I honestly, I don't even know if they voted for me or not, but they were amongst the nicest people I've met. My district is, uh, I'm here in Southwest Florida. My district um, for my state seat encompasses South Sarasota County. My district for my congressional seat encompasses uh, South Sarasota County, Charlotte County, part of Highlands, uh, no, all of Highlands, Hardy, part of Lee, DeSoto, uh, Polk, and Okeechobee County. And it was meeting those people and being out there and meeting people I had never interacted with before and shaking hands with them and asking them for their support and listening to to their concerns, listening to the things that they were worried about was just rewarding beyond words. And I will never forget that experience, and I will never forget those people and the hospitality that they showed me. And hopefully I'll continue to interact with them. I think you can surmise by the tone of my voice and the tone of my story that I did not prevail. As a matter of fact, I got shellacked. I got uh, defeated um, royally, I guess is the word. Uh, but at the very least, a uh, good descriptor is solidly. Uh, I came in third place, uh, but the problem was that there were only three competitors. <laughs> there were only three competitors, and I came in third. Um, 
I came in behind a competitor that had spent all of $40,000 and I had raised 525000 I still came in third. Now, there's a reason for that, and I'll, and I'll tell you about it here because it's, it's, um, it's an important thing to acknowledge, and that is that I was exposed to the most brutal four-and-a-half-week character assault or character assassination attempt, which was, I guess, rather successful uh, when you look at the vote and the margins that I had ever seen. And the problem is, you know, if if I'm a scumbag and you want to say that I'm a scumbag because you need to call attention to the fact that, you know, my integrity or whatever is uh, lacking and uh, needs to be evaluated by the by the electorate, well, then that's one thing. But if you're an upstanding citizen, if you care for the country, if you serve the country, if you if you believe in the Constitution, if you fight for the Constitution, if you believe in President Trump's policies and you fight for that, and uh, you fight against things like death panels, and uh, you fight against people who are interested in imposing government overreach on your health care, such as I am, and you completely denigrate that person's character despite the facts and the spec- despite the reality uh, being to the contrary, then that's something quite different. And that's exactly what took place in this race. Unfortunately, people that I were, that I was um, relying on to back me didn't show up. And so I was subjected to about four and a half weeks of just brutal character assassination that was based on lies and deceit. And uh, of course, I I could not overcome that to the point where they beat me out of what everybody was predicting was going to be a close race to a distant third place. So um, yeah, that was pretty painful and I'm still recovering from it. And no, I have no intentions from running for office uh, ever again. Uh, I think that road has essentially been shut except for a very small possibility of extenuating circumstances that would revive that, but I honestly don't foresee it. So nevertheless, um, that is my story of where I was over the past six months. There's a lot of other subplots that we should discuss and I should bring to your attention, and I will do that on other days. I will definitely talk about some of the experiences I've had in this campaign and some of the things that I've noticed. But suffice it to say, suffice it to say, that of all the negatives and all the horrible things that I went through and my family went through and and my daughter Jessica, who, who of whom I am so incredibly proud and who knocked on over, I don't know, a couple thousand doors on my behalf, uh, and Chris Hodge and uh, Vicki Brill, who who was my campaign manager and the folks in DC who helped me and, and my general consultant. Um, those people were absolutely amazing as were even more amazing. The people that I met people in Okeechobee, people in Sebring, people in Arcadia. Um, the, these were amongst uh, Wachula. These were amongst the most incredible people I, most hospitable, most humble, most God-fearing and country-loving people I have ever met. 
And uh, I am just incredibly grateful and humbled that God gave me the opportunity to interact with him. And uh, we'll see what other plans he has for me. But obvious, as always, I'm at his, his service. And hopefully it'll be some sort of service that will help promote the integrity and the greatness of our great country. You're listening to the Federalist Pages. I'm Dr. Julio Gonzalez. And we'll be right back. So welcome back to the Federalist Pages with Dr. Julio Gonzalez. That would be me. And um, I'm very happy to uh, see you, to have you here with us on uh, podcast number 46. And hopefully what will continue to be, what will begin a streak of a uh, number of podcasts to come. Please make sure you come visit us at www.thefederalistpages.com. Just yesterday, I released a an article on Chris Cuomo, which I will discuss on the third uh, sex segment here, maybe the fourth is coming up. But I encourage you to please go ahead and look at that uh, on thefederalistpages.com, as well as all the other things that I have there for you. Uh, these things do not come cheaply. They do not come for free. So uh, sponsorship opportunities abound, and I, I hope that you will consider sponsoring thefederalistpages.com. We have a package deal that includes Right Talk America, a Sarasota-based show with me and Rod Thompson, who is a great patriot and a loyal Republican. He also runs the revolutionaryact.com, which is a Another web page that I encourage you all to uh, go visit because it's chock full of great conservative information. But we have a package since both of us are working together on promoting the greater good of our country and a better understanding of um, of the things that make us great. We have a package that we all put together. And so uh, I hope you can visit us at thefederalistpages.com. Maybe write us at thefederalistpages at gmail.com in the hopes of maybe sponsoring our, our endeavor and helping us be successful. So President Trump announces on Wednesday that he was going to change the raises for civilian employees, for civilian federal employees, from uh, a baseline of, I think, about 2.1% and with locality rates all the way up to 257 So there was going to be the opportunity for uh, federal employees, civilian federal employees, to get a substantial raise in the upcoming year. And under t- Title V, the president had the authority to adjust that if he thought that there was a strong need for that uh, for the country. And uh, President Trump has come to the conclusion that there is a strong need and has decided that the net raise that civilian federal employees will get is a net raise of 0%. That's right. It'll go from an increase of 25% for some, 25.7% for some, plus another one, uh, 2.1, uh, all the way down to zero. And I immediately applauded that move. That move was going to save the federal government $25 billion, which unfortunately for us is small change in the light of the federal uh, budget, but nevertheless, 
it's $25 billion that can go to something else. Uh, needless to say, federal employees are way too well reimbursed at this point. And uh, it is part of the reason why the Beltway has one of the highest per capita income rates in the country is because the massive amounts that we are paying uh, federal employees, number one, and number two, the uh, massive number of federal employees that we have accrued, something that we really should be shrinking. So President Trump decides that, look, we're going to make our net gain, our net increase in uh, salaries by way of raises and so forth, a net raise of 0%. Wall Street Journal wrote an article about this and immediately applauded the president, saying, among other things, that uh, this would help encourage people to go into the private sector, sector, which is where they should be. Any, any cursory knowledge about macroeconomics will reaffirm the fact that People don't, government does not create income. Government does not create wealth. Every penny that the government spends must be taken from somewhere else. It must be taken from a producer. It's not like it's bringing it in from somewhere outside of the United States in general. I guess tariffs are, are going to be an exception to that rule. But as we have seen, even tariffs have a negative effect on the economy. So it's not like... Government is a wealth creator. Government is a wealth <laughs> denier. And essentially, if the government wants to run a program of that's worth $100 million, then it has to take $100 million from the people who actually create wealth, and that's the private sector. So if the federal government found that um, there were some employees that decided to leave because they weren't getting a raise, but they would have the opportunity to get greater wealth in the private sector than according to Wall Street General Journal and according to uh, classical economists? The answer is, that's awesome. Because number one, they'll probably would have a better chance of creating wealth and being wealthier by going into the private sector. So it's better for them. And number two, it's better for us because our federal government is way too big anyway. Well, there's an afterthought here because now as of Friday, we started getting reports that there was some pushback from Virginia. Guess what? It, the pushback wasn't coming from Arizona. It was coming from Virginia. There's a reason for that. Alexandria. Alexandria is the re reason for that. Every, there are so many bureaucrats established in Alexandria, Virginia, and in that northern fringe of Virginia along the Potomac River uh, that it's small wonder that there would be some blowback from them. The president apparently is now starting to call it back a little bit, walk it back a little bit, saying that he's considering other options. It's interesting because the president already put out a memo. He put out a memo to this effect. So the zero net gain was not done by a tweet. It was done via an official president of the United States White House letterhead memo that he sent out. And for him to backtrack, that would be rather significant. But nevertheless, he's considering that. For my two cents, uh, for whatever it's worth, I join the Wall Street Journal in applauding the president, making a 0% net gain in salaries for civilian federal employees in the upcoming year. 
I'll take those $25 billion and apply it to the VA or apply it to uh, uh, our Medicaid system or some opioid program or better yet, our defense, rather than put it um, in the pockets of folks that uh, probably would be, their services would be better served in the private sector. And that's my opinion. And you're listening to the Federalist Pages, and we'll be right back. So welcome back to the Federalist Pages. This, our last segment of this episode, the 46th episode of the Federalist Pages. Please, if you want to consider sponsorship, if you have any agreement or disagreement with anything that I've said, please feel free to write me at thefederalistpages at gmail.com. That's thefederalistpages at gmail.com. And please considering sponsoring this Right Talk America, the radio show here in Sarasota County, and therevolutionaryact.com with my very dear friend, Mr. Rod Thompson. So our last segment has to do with Chris Cuomo. <laughs> Chris Cuomo and CNN and Antifa, a match made in heaven or at least in purgatory. Chris Cuomo is a piece of work, I got to tell you. Uh, the guy is a uh, brow-beating, uh, toxic, testosterone, male-bashing uh, individual who tries to bully his way through through conversations. And I say that with all the love and all the respect in the world. But we get, we had a segment here that he did a little while ago, last week actually, where he discussed whether there was any moral equivalence between Antifa or Antifa and uh, the Nazis that they are fighting. And in that segment, it sure sounded like he defended Antifa. And it's, it's really important that we have this discussion because there's no defending Antifa. The segment that I, that I saw was one where Steve Cortez, who many of you may know Steve uh, from Fox News, he appears there. He's actually a marketing analyst and he's a um, a motivational speaker. And he appeared. He had an appearance on Chris Cuomo's show, which I I think is called Cuomo Primetime. Anyway, he's on the show with with Cuomo, and they start having this discussion back and forth about Antifa and their tactics versus Nazis and white supremacists in the United States and their tactics and whether there was any moral equivalence between the two and uh, whether the, the uh, techniques used by Antifa was in any way acceptable. And at one point, Steve Cortez says to, to, um, to Chris Cuomo, look, I, I'm yet, yet you have to, be upset at, at people who claim that it's an acceptable way of conducting business, speaking about Antifa. And Chris Cuomo immediately, immediately says, well, anybody who would say that is a moron. Obviously, nobody agrees with that. And Steve Cortez actually said to him, much to, uh, to Cuomo's chagrin, but uh, much to my loud applause, he said, well, actually, in point of fact, you do, Chris, because in your, in your show last week, when you were a couple of days ago, you actually equivocated on the issue of whether Antifa was morally repugnant in their techniques. 
to which at which point uh, our friend Chris Cuomo had a meltdown and started saying that look we don't I I made it perfectly clear according to to Cuomo I made it perfectly clear that I said that anybody who uses any type of of force is um, is a rioter and is illegal and should be um, should be shunned. So the 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 conversation devolved from there and it got to the point where essentially Cuomo kept telling uh, Cortez, "Look, why don't you look at, at what I said before you start commenting?" Cortez said that he did, but I had not. So upon listening to that, watching that, I decided I would go over and have a look. I'd take him up on on his offer. And I saw it. And in point of fact, Chris Cuomo is absolutely wrong on this issue. And here's why. He did put in there as a little, this is a commonly used technique in in public debate and public discussion. It's where you give yourself an out. He did put in and said it multiple times. uh, Look, if you engage in rioting or if you engage in assaulting the police, then you are wrong. That is wrong. I absolutely shun you for doing it. Okay, so that's his out. That's his out because he can now say that, look, I, I didn't say that they were good in doing this. I actually specifically said that they were bad. But in point of fact, if you listen to the rest of the discussion, he the, those words actually ring hollow because what he said next was that a punch may not be a punch or one man's punch may not be as bad as another. And his, his, his logic was this. If you are a bigot, according to Chris Cuomo, if you're a bigot and you're in there looking for trouble and somebody comes in to uh, fight you and things get and th- things are with the intent of doing it, I guess he didn't really say specifically with the intent, but he implies with the intent of doing it peacefully. And things get hot and things get heavy and then people start punching each other, then obviously, according to Cuomo, the uh, people who are trying to fight the bigots have a certain measure of moral superiority or moral um, validity moral validity that the other side does not and that that was his point that was it and so therefore he said that antifa because they're fighting bigots antifa is actually has a moral advantage over white supremacists and nazis now here's the problem with that here's the problem with that because the situation is not this the situation is not where I, as a God-loving individual who respects all rights for all human beings, I show up at a place and I see these bigots harassing somebody and I inter- intercede and things get hot and heavy and I fight with them. And uh, judging by my experience on the congressional race, I get my butt kicked. But, <laughs> but nevertheless, I interceded and I did the right thing. That's not the situation with Anifa. Antifa, Chris Cuomo, is an organization made largely of anarchists and of very, very hateful and despicable leftists. They are people who do not acknowledge the wonders of the United States of America. They do not want to protect the United States of America. They believe that communism, things like communism, um, 
are um, and socialism are much better ways to go than and, and and quite frankly a lot of them believe that an anarchist state and how these these two you know kind of coexist but they do they coexist in their hatred in their common hatred for America and in their common hatred for the people who are outside of their group that's how they coexist that bond puts them together it's like 1984 um, the the common enemy is what puts all these people together and channels their energies against a common goal, which is to subvert, defeat, and uh, hurt Americans simply because they call them fascists. Now, never mind that the definition of fascists uh, fits more towards them than it does to the people they attack. But nevertheless, that's, that's that's their raison d'etre. And so these people who are in this situation and are... Uh, engaged in in this discussion, they're not doing it as passers-by or good Samaritans that are witnessing some horrible event that's taking place upon an individual and they feel like they need to intercede. That is not what's happening at all. They are a group of people who are recruiting, they're organizing, and they are staging uprisings. Not, not uh, I'm sorry, they're not doing demonstrations or peaceful uh, protests. They are staging and organizing physical and military uprisings because in their own words, in their own words, they are fascist enemies, which they consider pretty much anybody who's a Republican is by definition a fascist. Most people who are white are fascist. Definitely, according to them, President Donald Trump is a fascist. Anybody who's a fascist in their eyes, in the, according to their definition, and by the way, they are the ultimate superior authority on what is fascism and what is not. Not to be questioned, by the way. Anybody who they see as the enemy is, is worthy of being attacked physically because the situation, according to them, has gotten to the point where reason is not to be relied upon anymore. And it's time for physical action. So they don't take on the U.S. military, Cuomo. They don't take on our our military ranks. They don't go to Virginia and take over a fort and plant their flag there and say to the Union, come hell or high water, we're going to stand here because we're, we're standing for something. That's not what they do. What they do is they... They attack innocent people who are either marching or expressing their God-given right to express their opinion, or who, uh, or or worse yet, they've attacked. We have videos of them attacking people on wheelchairs. We have videos of them with m- multiple videos of them because it's actually their modus operandi is to uh, wear masks that cover their faces and hide their identities. And so these are the people that Chris Cuomo, in some way, even though, even though he's denying defending them, in some way is attaching some sort of moral superiority to their, to their plight. Now look, I grant you that there is no moral superiority to, to uh, Nazis. We've seen what they've done throughout the course of history. There's no moral superiority to white supremacists or any other racial supremacists. It is, it is a view, they, these are views to be shunned and to be defeated because they are 
truly unconscionable and inconsistent with what it means to be a decent, civil human being. But don't tell me that, that Antifa is in any way superior to them. They're not. The only thing that they're using, the only reason why they're using the label Antifa, the only reason why they're saying that they're uh, fighting a common enemy is because they're using it to their advantage to fool people like Chris Cuomo, dumb-minded people like Chris Cuomo, into believing that theirs is some sort of noble truth that they seek. They don't. All they're doing is seeking power for themselves and societal disruptions for the rest of us. My name is Dr. Julio Gonzalez. You're listening to the Federalist Pages, and we'll see you on 47.